Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Hi everybody, I'm Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching and you're in the Facebook group, Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. Today we're gonna talk about how to delay those worries for your highly sensitive child without making it worse. And we're here to talk about that because I know that when your child is managing a million worries over and over and over again, you've had enough at times or your other kid needs his bum wiped or, um, you know, you got to get out the door. There's a multitude of reasons that lead to the need to delay the conversation about talking about the worries, or maybe it's already been 10 minutes and you're like, okay, just think of, think of something else. And, and you're trying to get your kiddo to move on. Um, one of the biggest things that I notice for parents is that this creates a a big problem. If you don't know what to do, um, or how to do it effectively, your child ends up having a meltdown. Um, and about pajamas or about, um, knows what else hits his sister. I mean, there's just so many different things that end up creating chaos in your life later on in the day. And you're having a hard time figuring out why, um, why this is what it is. When you end up talking to your child later, it's because they are worried about school and it's August 1st, or they're worried about a party that's going to start, um, in a few minutes and, uh, or, you know, in a couple of weeks, who knows what it is that they're worried about. And the, this really sets you up for a big question mark, right? Wondering how do you get your kiddo to share their feelings when you have the opportunity to, and then how to help them delay that need to, to review them when they're really struggling, because at times you don't have that opportunity to talk about it without making it this giant catastrophe later in the day. So a couple of things for us to, to go over is what's not working in your current strategy so that you really understand why you need to do something different. So the first piece is that oftentimes parents will use this thought that, um, that there's, you know, why would, you know, Maybe if I just tell them to think something else or distract them, um, or if I ignore it or kind of brush it off, that they'll just forget about it. Um, this worked when your kiddo was two, probably. <laughs> um, look, look, the pretty thing, and you're able to move on. And so we get into these patterns without even realizing all of a sudden your child's three and is remembering things to worry about more, or all of a sudden your kid's five or eight or ten, and you're like, this isn't working anymore and I have no idea when it stopped working, but now I'm, I'm lost. 
And so it's really important to recognize that waiting and seeing if they forget will um, make it worse. It's it, it just will make it worse. You might think that your child is forgetting about it, but really they're just learning to stuff their emotions, that you're not ready to listen to them or that you can't hear them right now or that they are a burden in that moment. And so the thinking happy thoughts are not effective. Um, telling your child to think of some other part of a favorite book and not the scary part or think of... Um, the all of the fun things that they'll get to do when they're worried about um, going to, um, I mean, Hershey Park is near us, like a, an amusement park, um, whether or not they'll, they'll see their friend who they're hoping will be there. Um, well, even if they, even if you don't, at least we'll get to ride all these rides that you, I know you really like, or at least we'll get to go shoot um, cans for, uh, you know, for that big teddy bear you've been hoping to snuggle with. When you move away from your child's worry and try to get them to switch to happy thoughts, they feel invalidated, disjointed, and misunderstood. And so that conversation then becomes an internal one. Um, your child ends up really struggling to communicate effectively with you and um, doesn't feel heard. They feel like their feeling is, um, shouldn't be that big. And so they, they should be feeling happy. Uh, and that just breeds shame. It just breeds the sense of there's something wrong with me. I, why can't I get over this? Why can't I just be happy for my life? Um, all that self judgment that then leads to hurting themselves later in life. Um, Research shows that highly sensitive people who grow up in invalidating environments are have a greater likelihood of engaging in risky behaviors like self-harm and, um, you know, reckless driving, drinking and using drugs because they're escaping that intense emotion um, in an unhealthy way because their attempts as children to get it out there weren't met with effective responses. And so um, it's really important to that you're listening and you're watching and you're trying to figure out what will work because this these are the days that you need to make a change. Um, waiting until they mature or that they start to get it that their worries aren't that big of a deal is going to backfire. Um, I can guarantee it. <laughs> Um, if this is the approach that you're taking. So it's important to really recognize that your highly sensitive child's brain is wired differently. You might see an ice cream menu as, you know, the three things that you like, chocolate, vanilla, coffee, and or maybe a fourth one. Maybe I want to try mudslide and like take it up a notch. Your highly sensitive child looks at the ice cream um, menu every time and sees all 30 of them and is like, what about numbers one through 30? Which one do I really want to try? Think of that metaphor for everything that your child is considering. Their brain is using more power, more energy, and considering more options than your brain is as a non-highly sensitive parent. And when you recognize that, you can start to realize that when you say just think happy thoughts, it's like saying, well, just get vanilla or just get chocolate because chocolate is delicious. Well, so uh, so is, you know, 
cookies and cream, and so is bubble gum, and so is all these other things. Well, you know, what if I make the wrong decision? Or what if they don't run out of chocolate? Um, what will I do then? I must have a backup plan. What if we go to this amusement park and my best friend um, up the street has been, who's been begging to come visit um, shows up at my door? Do I really want to go? I really want to see her too. So all of these things are spinning through your kiddo's mind at all times. There's no um, break from that. It's how their mind works. And it's really important to recognize that um, while also recognizing that life must go on, you need to find a different way to respond to your child's worries. At times, that means that you need to find a strategy that will kick the can down the road. Um, and the biggest issue around that is that parents are not reliable with that. I see that a lot. And when I work, is um, because the me the message you're sending is like, well, if I kick the can down the road, we'll we'll talk about it later. Or I'm sure we'll get to it. A life happens, and you just genuinely forget. Or B, your um, you, you know, your kiddo is worried about something else, and so you're focused on that. So you think that they're over the first thing. Um, and then the other thing is that you just are hoping and wishing <laughs> that they've gotten over it. Um, so you might have remembered, but you don't want to bring it up because they're in a happy mood right now. So the biggest thing that's really important to recognize is that you need to schedule a time to get with your kiddo to address that worry so that they know that you can be reliable to review it later. And um, that takes a lot of work to plan for that, even if it means that you're going to bring it up when they're unhappy, I mean when they are happy. Um, and the, the next thing around that is being consistent. You can't, this is not a one-off thing when they just happen to be worried about school or when they just happen to be worried about this big event. That consistency will send your child a message that you can respond to their worries. It might not always be right in that moment. It might not be the most appropriate time, or it might be that you're focusing on helping them move through a different part of that emotion at that point. Um, or you can't give your full attention, you're worried about being dismissive. So all of those different factors that we talked about at the beginning of this video will come into play through day-to-day -day life, but the consistency of coming back to it, even if your kiddo seems okay, is really, really important for your highly sensitive child. Um, he or she needs that time to touch base with you and to review it. And the thing that parents often struggle with is that this ends up being around bedtime. Um, and you end up going to bed at like midnight because your child spent the last two hours, first of all, three hours, the first hour was refusing to go to bed. And then the next two hours is like snuggling with you, tossing and turning and chatting all about all of the things. And you're trying to figure out what the heck to say or how to get them to stop without being like, shut up and go to sleep because you know that's not going to work either. So this is a huge struggle, and if you, um, the last thing that I, that I have to, for you today in terms of the three strategies is to set up a routine for chill time. This is a non-negotiable for highly sensitive kids. They need that time to decompress. That means that your schedule needs to change, and this is a huge piece for a a lot of the families that I work with is trying to figure out how that fits in managing other non-highly sensitive siblings and managing two parent, you know, parent um, 
households who, you know, where both parents are working outside the home and managing, you know, um, single family, single parent households. So all of that is going to look different for your child. There is no drag and drop solution for highly sensitive kids. There's big specific tenants. And then we work together to figure out what's effective for your family. So if you feel like you would need support or you're listening to me and you're like, there's no friggin' way I can get this done, Megan. Um, please call me. We'll set up a, or schedule a call to set up a time for us to figure out where that will fit in your schedule. What other solutions are you trying that are just not working effectively yet? And how we can set up an individualized plan to set these strategies in place in a way that is reliable for you, um, consistent for your child and doesn't feel like you're turning your whole world upside down all at once. Um, so, all right, that's it for, for me today, and I'll check in with you uh, later. Thanks. Thanks for joining me for this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in hearing more about how to eliminate the meltdown cycle, I invite you to check out our free masterclass where we cover the five steps our clients use to eliminate the daily meltdowns. You can register for the next training at meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five steps. That's the number five S-T-E-P-S meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five steps. Have a great day.